You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, it's good to be with you guys today. I want to welcome those of you that are worshiping in the video cafe as well as those of you that are worshiping online today. Uh, so some years ago, <clears throat> I had this friend Terry, and Terry was a sailor, and he had this catamaran boat, and he invited me to go sailing with him. Now, I don't know anything about sailing, and so Terry kind of had to get me up to speed with all the lingo on a boat. I didn't know that the port was the left-hand side. I didn't know uh, that the stern is, you know, the back and all of that. And he had to explain to me about the mainsail and the jib sail, which is kind of on the front of the boat, you know, the little sail at the front. And so when we put the boat in, we were going against the wind. And I didn't realize you could sail against the wind. And he said, yeah, it's just called tacking, where you kind of sail in this zigzag manner, you can go against the wind, and it required a lot of adjustment. So all the time, it felt like I was making some adjustment where Terry was telling me how to rearrange, you know, a rope or move something. And I'm kind of, you know, embarrassed to admit that I didn't get it quite right, and I caused the boat to, like, completely tump over, and Terry and I both face-planted down in the lake, you know, and when he came up, you know, he shook it off, he said a couple of cuss words, and then we got back in the boat, and and we got going again, but when we finally made it across the lake, then we could turn around and we could sail with the wind. And that was really great. I mean, we're hauling, we're going faster, and I'm kind of uptight by this time. And I'm like, Terry, do I need to make any adjustments? Do I need to make any adjustments? He's like, just chill, okay? So I'm standing on the hull of the boat, and it's just like in the picture there, man. You're, you're hanging on there, you're hauling across the wind in your hair, the whole nine yards, you know, uh, and you're having a great adventurous experience. It's very uh, peaceful at the same time. And I think that's a lot like being a wind walker, walking in the ways of the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, if you go back to ancient Israel, you would see that Jesus and his disciples, boating and sailing was a big part of their everyday life. I brought this picture of a, a, an old boat from antiquity. They had to hold it together. They, it was in the bottom of the Sea of Galilee when it went down just a bit. Uh, they were able to find it and quickly move to preserve it and keep it intact and in place. So you can see today, historically, what they were dealing with because uh, a part of their everyday life was sailing. And for thousands of years, Sailors have made a living out of catching the wind, being in connection with the wind to move them across lakes and oceans. And remember last Sunday, we saw that the Holy Spirit is like the wind. We can't control where the wind's going to blow, but what we can do is adjust our sails to be able to catch the wind. And remember last week, we saw that there's a, there's a bird in that wind. There's a dove. And the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit is like a dove. And remember, we said, do not disturb the dove. You can't grieve the Holy Spirit. How many of you wives were reminding husbands all week, you know, don't disturb the dove, Jack? So it's like, um, we, we got to be aware of the sensitive nature of the Spirit, not to grieve the Holy Spirit. But today, our transforming idea is simply this. Look where the Holy Spirit is moving. And what's that next word? Adjust your life to join him. I'm going to re-say that transforming idea. When we get to the word adjust, I'm going to point to you. I want you to say it out loud, even those of you in the video cafe. You ready? Here we go. Look where Holy Spirit is moving and adjust. adjust your life to join him there. Now, I want to break down adjust for just a minute because um, when you go to, like, say, a Rosti, chiropractor, physical therapy, they're going to adjust you, aren't they? And sometimes it's painful, but you go through the pain of the adjustment in order 
to experience healing and to move forward in a more healthy lifestyle. Um, And lots of people want to hear from the Holy Spirit. Lots of people want to experience the benefits of the Holy Spirit, but not very many people want to adjust their lifestyle when they hear a prompting or a word from the Holy Spirit. Uh, Almost every time the Spirit speaks to people in the Scriptures about an, uh, an assignment that God has for them, Almost always, it requires a significant adjustment in that person's life. And when you get a prompting of the Spirit, expect a crisis of belief that will require a demonstration of faith and adjustment, and it will be costly to you and other people around you if you adjust. Now, I want to say a brief word to those of you that are spiritual investigators, because every week... We have people come here, and we welcome you to come here. If you don't believe, and we're glad that you're here, if you don't believe, we want you to be able to explore uh, God and Jesus at your own pace, and hopefully you'll meet him here and connect with God here. And you have to understand that if you begin a relationship with God, it's a free gift. You receive it as a gift. You just trust and believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and receive that. It's by grace through faith. However, if you're going to be a wind walker, if you're going to really go for it and be a wind walker and be a disciple of Jesus, it may cost you everything. Look at what he says in Luke 9, 23. Then Jesus says to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. That's the life of a wind walker. And a lot of churches these days are luring people in with what's called felt needs. So in other words, they're saying, you know, just come to church and find out about God and all the different ways that God will make your life better. And to a degree, that's true, isn't it? Is that God can make our lives better in a lot of different facets. But at the same time, how do you know when you start following God, some things got worse in your life, right? And so uh, being a wind walker is not about how God can make your life better. But it's about listening to his Holy Spirit to make the adjustments that you and I need to make to be in sync with what the Spirit of God is doing in the world. I was inspired some years ago by the great pastor and author D.L. Moody. And he said, no one can sum up all God is able to accomplish through one solitary life, wholly yielded, what's that next word? Adjusted and obedient to him. I'm going to say that one more time. No one can sum up all God is able to accomplish through one solitary life, wholly yielded, adjusted, and obedient to him. And look, look at me right here. Most people won't do it. But I want to ask you a question today. Will you be the one who's wholly yielded, adjusted, obedient to him to see God do amazing works in your life? through the Holy Spirit. Now, as I was thinking about this, over the years, I've learned three different indicators that the Holy Spirit is requiring an adjustment. So these are indicators on your spiritual dashboard that uh, you need to make some type of an adjustment in your life. Number one is conviction. It's called conviction. We see this in John 16, 8. It says, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he will, what's that word? convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So the Holy Spirit convicts us in our hearts 
of sin. Now, how many of you have ever experienced guilt and shame for something you did wrong? Anybody just raise your hand real quick? Okay. And if you don't have your hand up, you're perfect. Okay. And we, we know there's probably a church for perfect people somewhere, but it's not this one. But guilt and shame are way different than conviction. Okay. Guilt and shame causes us to wallow in the mire of our past mistakes. Conviction empowers us to change and move forward with God. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. So don't misunderstand and think that all guilt and shame is conviction. That's not what that is. Um, Now, let me show you the second one. A check in your spirit. The second indicator that an adjustment is needed is a check in your spirit. When you don't have a peace about something, something just doesn't seem quite right. And in order to illustrate this, I've invited Zach, our uh, lead guitar player today, to come out and help us illustrate this. Would you guys welcome Zach Chato to stage? Now, let me explain what Zach's going to do. He's going to play just a simple guitar chord for us. Uh, So you guys listen. I want you to listen real close and intently to this chord as Zach plays it. Go ahead, Zach. Okay. So you can tell something's not quite right there. He's out of tune. And that's what we sense in our spirit when we get a check in our spirit. Something's off. It doesn't sound quite right. It doesn't feel quite right. And that tells us we need to adjust our spirits and tune in. So let's give Zach another chance, shall we? We're a place of grace here, aren't we? So let's give him another chance uh, at this point. Yeah, anybody like that one? Okay. So that's the adjustment when you have a check in your spirit. Look at number three, the prompting. When you're prompted or moved to do something. So a prompting feels like an internal nudge to move in a certain direction. That's what Jesus was experiencing in Matthew 4.1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's probably not very much fun, is it? It's like you get a spirit prompting, you're led into a wilderness to be, you know, go without food for 40 days and then be tempted by Satan himself. Okay, not not such a fun day at the office for Jesus, but it required, remember, an adjustment of his life. And that temptation prepared him to begin his earthly ministry and do miracles after that point. Now, a few days ago, I was in prayer and I was preparing for this talk, and uh, you ever write a research paper and you're staring at a blank screen? That's where I was. And some of these talks really take a lot of work to put these things together. And that day I was sitting there staring at a blank screen, and I just prayed, Holy Spirit, what are the adjustments that we need to make in our church? And it came so easy, it just flooded into my mind seven adjustments that we need to make as a church. So I wrote it down furiously. Um, And so basically what I'm going to share with you today is what flooded into my mind that day during prayer about the seven spiritual adjustments that we need to make to adjust our sails to be in connection with Holy Spirit uh, according to what God is doing in the world. Look at number one, approval adjustments. This has to do with the way you view the approval of other people. Do you need the approval 
of other people. And of course, everybody's like, say, I don't need no approval of nobody else. Okay, you say that on the outside. However, our social media betrays us, doesn't it? Because we're looking for those likes. And I saw an article from a former Facebook executive, and he didn't even let his children use social media because he knows the psychological manipulation built into the algorithms. And what he says is, he's talking about getting likes, the short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops that we have created are destroying how society works. What it really is is fake, brittle popularity that short-term, that leaves you even more, and admit it, vacant and empty than before you did it. Because then you're in this vicious cycle, like, what's the next thing that I have to do? Because I need it back. Think about that compounded by 2 billion people, and then think about how people react then to the perceptions of others. It's just a really bad thing. It's really, really bad. He's talking about the epidemic of approval addiction. We have to adjust on that. One windwalker an ancient windwalker, the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, he said, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And look, in a church like ours, we're trying to remove the barriers that people have to coming to faith in Christ and belief in God and Jesus and all that. And so you've noticed around here, we don't have a lot of rules and regulations that are not found in the Bible, that a lot of religious organizations and institutions have forced upon people, making it harder for people to get to God. Yet at the same time, I think there are far too many Christ followers who are trying way too hard to make being a Christian cool. Did you catch that? A lot of Christ followers are trying way too hard to make being a Christian cool. It doesn't, look, it doesn't matter if the coolest rock star or rapper or the greatest athlete or greatest intellect of our day chooses to become a Christian. There will be people who will never accept your walk with Jesus and you're following Jesus Christ. You understand that? You have to accept that. But we're worried about how people think. And Paul was just, he was just thinking, man, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation. See, so is anybody on board with a lifestyle that says, I don't care what other people think. I'm willing to adjust my life to the winds of the spirit. Is anybody on board with that? Good. I hear lots of amens, but you may not amen after I tell you the next two on the list. So look at number two financial adjustments. Uh-oh. Some years ago, Jeannie and I were living near, at or near the poverty level. I was going through seminary school when we first got married, and we received a spirit prompting that we were to, as a first priority in our finances, we were to give our tithe check even before we paid our bills. The first priority was our tithing at our church that we were attending uh, in another city those many years ago. And that was tested. Remember what I said earlier is that every time you get a prompting, there will be a crisis of belief in which you have to make an adjustment, step out in faith. So we got our electric bill in the mail. And it was in that little bitty apartment, $72. Remember that number 72. You say 72 with me? Ready? 72. Okay. 
Now keep that number in your head because we didn't have enough money to pay our tithe and the $72 electric bill. So we wrote out the tithe. This is back when people wrote checks, okay? Checks, young people, this piece of paper you'd write and you hand it in, stuff like that. You could just write any amount on that check. But anyways, we, so that's what we did. We, we put our tithe check in, at our church and we, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if they'd turn our, you know, I'd never dealt with that kind of thing before. So um, didn't have the money to, to pay the electric bill and paid our tithe. What are we going to do? Well, that week, I get this letter in the mail from Joan. Joan's a woman I knew from out of state. She was the mom of one of my good friends growing up, Jason. And Joan was sending me a thank you note letter because I had driven to another town to encourage Jason one night when he was suicidal. So I drove to that town where he was. I stayed with him in his apartment. I prayed with him, ministered to him. And he didn't commit suicide. And he was okay after that. And she was just thanking me in that little note. And she said, Doug, I wanted to send you some gas money. And so she sent me a check for guess how much? Good guess, but it wasn't 72. <laughs> it's for $80, which was pretty awesome. So what happens when I take 10% out of a check for $80? How much do I have? Some of you are like, I get my calculator. This is 72. Okay, 72. Because the Lord was showing me, you step out in faith and I've got your back. See, that's the way we operate when we make the adjustment to our finances. But look at number three. Before we move to number three, let me rewind because I forgot to tell you something that's important. Um, There was this couple in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira, and they made a financial commitment to their church. And they lied about it and they didn't fulfill it. And look at what happens in Acts chapter five, verse three. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to who? Holy Spirit. And you kept some of the money for yourself. And if you were to read on in that passage, you would see that Ananias fell dead right there in the church meeting. His wife walks in. Same thing happened. She falls over dead. Two of the church greeters had to haul their carcasses out of the church. And so I felt like in light of that story, this would be a great time for us to take up the offering in our church in this service today, right? (laughs) Just kidding. I don't want anybody to fall over dead. Uh, But sometimes it's time for an adjustment. Now look at number three. Now we can go on number three. Adjustments uh, to the spiritual sales and the sexual adjustments. Um, When you come to faith in Christ, you realize that that's reserved for the marriage covenant. And I remember how big of a shock that was to me back when I first started following Christ. That was a hard one. And a lot of people don't like this adjustment there because we want to do what we want to do and we want to have sex with whoever we want to have sex with when we want to have sex with them, don't we? But look at what happens in Paul's, you know, wisdom in 1 Corinthians six eighteen. He says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Look at this next sentence. For sexual immorality is a sin against who? Your own body. And I want to stop there just for a minute because, you know, at the risk of sounding like a middle school motivational speaker, I am telling you STDs in San Antonio are going crazy right now. And there is, according to the raw data and numbers, take your emotions out of it, there is an epidemic of chlamydia in San Antonio right now. Um, And so... We should have known because thousands of years ago, 
Paul told us it's a sin against your own body and it's affecting people even today. But look at the rest of that text. It says, don't you realize that your body is a temple of who? The Holy Spirit. If you want to stay in the winds of the spirit, we have to honor the marriage covenant, sex only within marriage. Uh, He says, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who was given to you by God. And here's what's happening with some of you. You've come to faith in Christ you're a new believer, and this is new information for you, and this is not very comfortable for you because you're just, just used to being with whoever you want to be with when you want to be with them, right? And all of a sudden, you've started to follow Christ, and something feels different. You used to could enjoy all that sex you were having with all these different people, and now, for whatever reason, you sleep around, and it's like something feels different now, doesn't it? You know what that is? It's the Holy Spirit, His presence in your life, and it's conviction and it may be time for an adjustment. Okay. Let's look at number four, verbal adjustments. Uh, when the disciples were thrust into these spiritual conversations that they didn't have time to prepare for, they needed the help of the Holy Spirit. Look at Luke 12, 11. It says, and when you're brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. And here's what's happening in some of your lives is that you've started to follow Christ. The Holy Spirit is prompting you to have spiritual, initiate spiritual conversations with friends of yours that do not know Christ. And here's what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, I don't want to have this conversation with them because they're going to think I'm a religious nut. That's exactly what you're thinking, isn't it? Remember that approval need thing that we talked about earlier? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it's the power of God and the salvation. Always, always, always there will be someone to think you're a religious nut, no matter what you think or say or believe. But you have to say in your heart, if I'm going to be a wind walker, I will not be ashamed. I'm not going to worry about the approval of other people, but I truly love these people and I'm willing to speak to these people the things of God, the great news of Jesus Christ and his... uh, work on the cross on your behalf. Now, I want to tell you what else some of you are thinking. You're thinking, I'm not going to have spiritual conversations with my friends because I don't know enough about the Bible. But Pastor Doug, if I just knew more Bible verses and I had more knowledge of that type of thing, then I would initiate those conversations. But you will never have enough knowledge to deal with the issues that are going on in a myriad of different people in your life. And what I've noticed time and time and time and time again is that when I didn't have a clue what to say, but I was willing to step out in faith and risk and initiate the conversation, the Holy Spirit would bring to my mind things I didn't even know I knew in conversations to bring the gospel to people that God was moving in to catch the wind, to be a part of what the Holy Spirit was doing in someone's life. So the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, but also there are times when the Holy Spirit will prompt you not to talk at all to not say anything. Remember when Jesus was being tried, oftentimes he didn't speak at all, did he? And there are times when the Holy Spirit says, don't say a word. One of those times was in the Chinese brother Yun's story. He wrote this great book called The Heavenly Man. He was imprisoned in China for preaching the gospel and for teaching the Bible in um, these house churches there in China. And as he was in prison, he had a similar experience to Peter, he miraculously walked out of a maximum security prison in China. 
Amazing story. And he made his way to the airport. He was trying to get to Germany when he got a prompting from the Holy Spirit that said, don't speak, don't speak at all. And so he didn't say a word in the airport. And when he got to Germany, he met a group of German Christians. And one of the men in that small group worked in airport security design. And this guy explained to Yoon, Yoon, if you would have spoken, their voice recognition software at that airport would have detected your voice because they had a lot of recordings on your voice and they would have immediately captured you. See? So sometimes we're not to speak at all. And I'll tell you, from my personal experience, I don't have any stories of escaping from a maximum security prison miraculously. But I can tell you this. When I don't speak everything that comes to my mind, my marriage goes way better. Anybody know that? There's this proverb that says, even a fool is thought to be wise if he remains silent. And sometimes what the Holy Spirit is saying to us and speaking to us is, shut your big yapper, you know? It's the most spiritual thing you can do in a lot of circumstances. But look at number five, geographic adjustments. Um, We see this all throughout the Bible where the Holy Spirit caused someone to move to a different geographic location. We see that in the life and ministry of Moses. Look at me at uh, Exodus 33, 15. Then Moses says to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. So it's like, I'm not going anywhere, God, unless you take me there, you lead me there. And that proved to be true in Moses' leadership. Look how he leads the people in Exodus 40, verse 36. It says, in all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and the fire in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during their travels. Look, every time they saw the presence, the cloud or the fire by night uh, move above the tabernacle and move, they moved with it. And we must be a people who move with the spirit wherever he leads us. Look, I never pictured myself living in Texas years ago. I wasn't, I, I wasn't thinking Texas. I didn't get here as soon as I could uh, or any of that. But I was prompted by the Spirit to come here. And we've lived here for many years now, and we love it. And we're praying to God that he never makes us leave because we love San Antonio so much. And some of you have heard the story of uh, how uh, we were living in the northwest suburbs, and the Spirit moved us to move into their city and uh, plant a church and move our lives, our family, and our homes down here in the inner city. Because God moves people geographically. He cares about what city you live in. He cares about what neighborhood you move to. As we pay attention to the Spirit, He leads us in those adjustments. But look at number six, adjust your church attendance. The author of Hebrews says it like this in Hebrews 10, 25. He says, "Uh, we're not forsaking our own assembly together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, So what I'm not saying here is that we need to create this set of legalistic rules of church attendance where you have to check off the box of church attendance so many times to be in right standing with God. But what I am saying is this, is a lot of us only go to church maybe once a month or once every two months. And I want to suggest that regular church attendance helps you get out on the lake and put up your sails to catch the winds of the Spirit. And here's why I know this is because when I'm not teaching, I try and attend church 
every single time, even when I'm not teaching at church here. I try and attend church. And what I find is the times that things seem stacked against me, it's like the circumstances of life want to try and keep me from church, have a flat tire, you know, feel tired not having been able to sleep the night before, um, you know, allergies acting up. All this kind of stuff makes me want to just stay in bed and blow it off. But the times that I, I have the circumstances stacked against me the most are the times where the God's spirit speaks something special to me if I'm willing to show up. Look, I'm going to ask you to consider adjusting, assembling together with the believers, with the people of God, to be regular churchgoers so that you can hear words from God. When we sleep in, we may get more sleep, but we may miss out on a prompting that comes from the Holy Spirit. Well, this last one, number seven, is adjust to interruptions. The Holy Spirit is often in what we perceive to be interruptions. But we see in the life of Jesus that he often does these great miracles in the midst of what seems to be an interruption, a parenthesis in time. One of those stories is when Jesus was on his way somewhere and he's interrupted by this woman who had a bleeding problem. She touches the hem of his garment and he heals her. She was considered unclean because of that bleeding problem, and she's healed that day. But same chapter, same day, same gospel where this is recorded. Jesus is speaking to some people. He's interrupted again by the synagogue official. And the synagogue official tells him about this girl, Talitha, who had died. How old was Talitha when she died? How many years? Twelve years old. We've seen that number in the same chapter, didn't we? That the woman with the bleeding problem had the problem for 12 years. What's the connection of 12 in Talitha and 12 with the woman with the bleeding problem? Well, Talitha, if she would have died as a 12-year-old, it meant that she would have missed out on what every young Jewish girl was looking forward to, and that was marriage. I know that's odd for us to get our arms around and our heads around, but every little Jewish girl dreamed about the day when she could be married. That was like a life fulfillment marker in their life, and it would have been shameful, embarrassing for her, disappointing for her, that she would die before she would marry. The other woman was considered unclean, because of her problem for 12 years. And that goes to show us that even in the midst of an interruption, Jesus comes to bring healing and salvation to those who the culture sees as the most shameful or disappointing. This is the gospel here. This past week, Monday, I had a little interruption. I'm one of those people I like to sit down on Monday and I'll create my schedule and I want to maximize the time, you know, so I'll plug in my appointments to make sure that uh, everything is in order. And I had an interruption. A friend of mine called. He was in a hospital care facility and he wanted me to come visit. I'd been talking to him on the phone and I thought the phone calls would be good enough and a lot of times it is. But this particular day, the spirit was just prompting me, no, you need to go. And I'm arguing a little bit with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh, he's in the hospital all the time. He's in the hospital. He comes in and out, you know. Um, No, go. And so I called my friend. His name is Dennis. 
And I called Dennis. I said, hey, can I get you anything on my way there? I should have never done that. He's like, yeah, stop by Taco Cabana and get me three chicken fajita breakfast tacos, add cheese, okay? Okay. I got time for that. So I stop by. I get the tacos. I go to visit him there. We had a nice visit. And some of you know that my friend Dennis, who's been a big part of City Church downtown, died the very next day. And what I thought was an interruption turned out to be a gift to me. How would I feel today if I would have had one last opportunity to spend time with Dennis and would have missed it because I saw it as an interruption? You know, when I was there with Dennis, he teared up a little bit and he said, Doug, Pastor Doug, please tell the people at church that I miss them. I said, I will, buddy. And I put my hand on his shoulder and I prayed with him and I told him I loved him. And eventually our visit ended and I went home and the next day found out that Dennis had passed away. And since Dennis was such a big part of our community here at City Church downtown, we felt it would be appropriate to show you a video of Dennis's story that our team created a couple of years ago. So take a look at Dennis Maple's story. Originally, I'm from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Moved to Chinook, Kansas with my adopted parents. And then from there, we moved here to San Antonio. I went to Lee High School. Then I went to Clark High School. I graduated from Clark in 1985. My stepmother and I, we, we never really got along too well. And they made me stay behind here in San Antonio. And just lived on my own since then and everything. It's been, it's been quite a struggle ever since they, since they moved. I have rheumatoid arthritis, which is a, which is a juvenile case of arthritis, which means that uh, there's a certain amount of weight I can, cannot lift. But I had trouble uh, finding a job and everything, and places where I do go apply at and everything, and putting in so many applications. And next thing you know, after being interviewed and everything, and being turned down due to my disability, was one of the one of the lowest points in my life. It was quite a learning experience, you know. I just I've lived lived under. Bridges. I've stayed, like I said, I stayed in shelters. At times, I I didn't know where to turn, where where my next meal was was going to come from, or like I said, I just had so much trouble adjusting to to life being homeless. There were many times where people would just look at me and just say, "This person just here to get get a handout. Doesn't want to do anything to." to make his situation better, just wanted to be out on the streets, didn't want to do anything for himself. It, it made me feel like, like nobody cares. There was a guy who's currently attending here at church. It's a, I started, he invited me to come here to a city church, and uh, but once I came through these doors, I felt like all that, the feeling and all that dis- disappeared, and being accepted by by everyone here who came, came to City Church, and I felt those feelings just completely disintegrated, disappeared, and I felt like I was being accepted and being loved. Once I came through these doors, I felt a lot of love 
from the from people in the attending here want to get back to show the love that God showed me and give love to other people that come through these doors also like the way God uh, blessed me with this friend that uh, invited me to the church with, from that first time until he wants me to go somewhere else I know he, he doesn't want me to leave here until he, until he tells me it's time for me to move on. You know, I was driving in my car a couple of days ago, and I found this receipt from Taco Cabana. These were the last tacos of Dennis Maples. And what I thought was an interruption that day, this receipt is like a gift to me. I'll keep it as a bookmarker and remember it and remember Dennis. And you know, two things that are very important about Dennis Maples. Number one, he served God here at this church tirelessly. But number two, and this is probably the most important, is that Dennis now is in paradise. And when he raises his hands to worship, his fingers are straightened out as he worships God in a completely healed body. And the reason he's there is because Dennis Maples has believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for his sin. And I wonder if God didn't bring someone here today by the winds of his spirit so that you too could believe and know that you have a love relationship with God. With that in mind, let's bow for prayer. And as we do, <clears throat> perhaps you just want to say something just between you and God in your own heart. Just say, look, God, I know I've sinned. And right now, the best I know how, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. God, welcome into my life. Thank you for coming in. Others of us who are already Christ followers may want to make some adjustments in prayer right now. Maybe we want to say something like this, God, I'm choosing to adjust geographically as you call me. God, I'm choosing to adjust my words to initiate those conversations God, I'm choosing to adjust my sexual habits and my finances. And God, I'm choosing to tune in when there's an interruption because it could just be a gift and a divine appointment. Father, we submit all of our lives to you in adjusting to catch the wind. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.